We're going to study tonight a correspondence, an extraordinary and fascinating correspondence between two of the greatest Gedolei Torah in Ashkenaz in the 16th century, two of the greatest Gedolei Torah of all time, the Maharshal and the Ramah. Most chuvas that we do, the chuvas are addressed either to an anonymous correspondent, sometimes to a local rabbi from a leading figure of the generation. Occasionally we have chuvas that are between two of the Gedolei Torah themselves. That's what we'll be studying tonight, a, cor- a correspondence, a series of chuvas, three, four, even more chuvas, back and forth between the Marshal and the Ramah. The Marshal, Rabbi Shlomo Luria, was one of the greatest Gedolim of Poland of his time. The Ramah, Ramosha Israelis, was also one of the greatest Gedolim of Poland of his time. They were related, they referred to each other as Sheiri in these chuvas, they were some type of cousin. They were close contemporaries. <coughs> the Marshal was born in the year Hey Reish Ayin, or 1510. The Ramah was born in the year Hey Reish Tzadi, 1530. They died within a year of each other. The Ramah died relatively young. The Ramah died in Hey Shin Lamed Bey, 1572. He only lived uh, to be 42. There's a famous legend that the Ramah lived to be 33 and died on Lag Baomer and wrote 33 Svarim or something. It's not actually true. He, he lived more than 33 years. He died quite young. He died when he was only 42. But he, see, he, was, born tw- see, he was born 20 years after the Marshal. Marshal was born in 1510. He was born in 1530. And he died, the Ramah died in 1572. The Marshal died a year later in 1573. So they were very close contemporaries, with the Marshal being slightly older, 20 years older. They both had an enormous influence on Psach The Ramah, of course, is one of the most famous, literally a household name in Halacha. Yes, Simcha? So the one who was 21, 21 years older was 63. Okay. The Ramah, of course, is a household name. He's one of the authors of the Shulchan Aruch, the, the Hagos on the Shulchan Aruch. Which is Bnei Yisrael Yotzim Biyad Ramah. The Ashkenazic Halacha is based largely on the Ramah. The Ramah had a profoundly important influence on Halacha. In addition to his Darke Moshe, his commentary on the Tur, which was the basis of his Ramah, much as the Beis Yosef's Beis Yosef was the basis for his Shulchan Aruch. In addition to his Darke Moshe and Ramah, he also wrote Chuvas, from which the Chuvas that we're going to study tonight are, are drawn. He also wrote the he also wrote the Tara Saola. A work on a work on uh, a work on a work on Yardea on, on Isser Veheter, a I'm, I'm sorry the the the, the Chatas, a, a famous work on Isser Veheter. He wrote, he wrote Taras Ola as well. That was a that, that that was a work on philosophy. He wrote Mechir Yayin, a, uh, a a Pirush on the Megillah, and uh, largely through his. His primarily through his Dark Moshe and and, and Chuvas and to, to, to an extent in Isser through his Taras Chatas, he became the the foundation of Minagash of Minhage Ashkenaz for the next five hundred years. The Marshal was also an uh, a posik of outsized importance. The Marshal's equivalent work to the Dark Moshe Taras Chatas Ramah was his Yamshel Shlomo. The Yamshel Shlomo is a kind of hybrid. It's organized fundamentally differently, the old-school way of writing on the Gemara rather than writing an organized code of law. But the Marshal was arranged, it's on the Sechtas, it, it, it goes daf by daf, 
in which he goes through the sugya, he, he discusses the sugya, he's mafalpel, he quotes the Rishonim, and then he reaches his own conclusions, he paskins. So even though it's not, uh, it's not, it's not quite as user-friendly as a Sefer Apsak, you can't go look things up in the Marshal like you can in the Shulchan Aruch, but the Marshal, the Marshal was a towering figure in his generation, and his Psakim and the Yamshel Shlomo had a tremendous influence on other Akronim. He's constantly quoted by the Shach and others. Lahalacha, we tend to follow the Ramah more than the Marshal, even though the Marshal was apparently a teacher of many of the postmen of the next generation. Lahalacha, the Marshal's view is taken very seriously, but he's often an outlier, he's often an independent view, while the Ramah was Zoche, one way or another, the Ramah's views are, are, are more authoritative, more central to Ashkenazic Halacha. But they were both two towering Halachists of their generation. They corresponded in their tshuvas. Well, the tshuvas we're going to study tonight were a, were a halachic debate they had. It began on rather technical matters, but it quickly spiraled out of control. Both the, Mar- the, R- the Ramah and the Marshal write in their tshuvas, I, I really decided to just uh, put a lid on this, it's getting out of hand, but you said this, and I just felt I had to respond to that. And they went through some rounds of that. They, they had tremendous respect for each other, even in these tshuvas, and certainly in other contexts. They, 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 they were not enemies. They, 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 had, they, had, they had a great deal of respect for each other, in particular the Ramah for the Marshal. But in this particular case, they, their, argument, uh, their argument evolved from the technical into the, into the personal, philosophical, ideological, and it was a somewhat uh, anguished correspondence that they had. Again, the actual, we're, not, we're not even going to study the actual halachic debate that began the whole discussion. It was a technical question involving shtaros, contracts, and so on. The, we, we, we're going to study the, the, the outgrowth of the machlokas, the, what it turned into, how, how they spoke to each other, the, the, the various comments and criticisms they had of each other. In particular, the, 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 this, this argument, this quarrel, ended up in a very curious place. It ended up in a profoundly interesting debate about the legitimacy of the study of secular wisdom. Given that, it, given that this was an entirely legalistic debate when it began, it somehow ended up, the Ramah wrote a, a very famous tshuva on defending the study of secular wisdom. Marshal was opposed to it. And that, that, that is, I think, the most interesting part of these tshuvas, aside from the historical benefit of them. But the plan is, again, these are pages and pages and pages, and, and they're, they're somewhat difficult. The technical issues are complicated. They wrote in a very high-flown rabbinic militza. It's hard to decipher much of what they said without careful study. They were writing in a kind of advanced, esoteric poetry to each other. But we're going we're to look briefly at some of the initial tshuvas, and then we're going to study, in particular, the portions of the Marshal and the Ramaz tshuvas on the study of secular wisdom. So after they had been debating their, their initial argument, their halachic point, at one point the, the at one point the the marshal at one point the, again they're they're quoting each other with several with, with several several nested layers of uh, several nested layers of, of, of several nested layers of criticism. So the the Ramah used the term tinra, tes yud nun resh aleph. Tinra is a term that appears in Masechus Chulin in the laws of Trefa. The laws of Trefa, we deal with all kinds of uh, problems and traumas and distortions of the normal body structure of an animal. Some render the animal non-kosher. Some, uh, some render the... Some, some are not a problem. Tinra is some kind of calcification, some type of cyst where, where ordinary tissue of the animal becomes possibly discolored and hard and filled with pus. 
it happens to the lungs, it can cause, you know, it can cause different problems to the, it can cause different problems to the, to, to, to the lung. The marshal apparently, responding to a tshuva of the Ramah, in which the Ramah had, uh, the Ramah had said, the Ramah had critiqued something the marshal had said, again, this is several layers, of the, it's very hard to decipher all the quotes, several layers of nested, like some of those emails you get where there are uh, quote after quote, and you're trying to figure out who said what in the, in the email, that's what happens here, kind of without the benefit of punctuation and highlighting and so on. So the Ramah had critiqued something the Marshal had said, and the Marshal said that I wish I knew what is this, uh, what is this tinra that you found in what I wrote. What, what is the tinra, what is the, the hard problem that you found, the kasha as we would say, what, what is the difficulty, the tinra that you found in what I wrote. So the Ramah wrote back to him, you chose the word tinra to characterize uh, to characterize uh, to characterize what I said about you. Tinra means something that's like an evan, like a stone. Sheim ba Torah. That's that 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 that. I'm not actually sure I'm quoting accurately who said what about the tinra here, but the, the point is that the they, they began an argument about what the tinra is. The the Ramah had written that the, the, the Ramah understood the Marshal to be using the word Tinra to mean something which is kasha ke'even, hard as stone, and has no, no moisture, it's dry and hard and, 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 and rock-like. And the, the Ramah said, I disagree that that's what a Tinra is, I think you're misusing the term Tinra. I will try to demonstrate that a Tinra is bua shalmayim zakim, it's a cyst of some sort that has liquid in it. It's not hard like a stone. It's a, it's a sack filled with, filled with liquid, so it's not hard. It's, it's, it's softer. And even if it is like a stone, he says, it's uh, maybe I'll be Zoha, like Moshe Rabbeinu, to strike, who struck the, the stone with the rock, and water came out. So the, the Ramah said, I don't think you're interpreting Tinra correctly. That, again, the, 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 the way this started was that the, they had used the word Tinra to refer to a kasha one had on, the Ramah had on the Marshal, Marshal apparently, as understood by the Ramah, used the word tinra to describe the kasha and used tinra to mean something hard and rock-like. Ramah said, I don't think you are, you, I don't think you are, uh, you are using the word tinra correctly. I think tinra is something that is softer. Marshal wrote back to the Ramah. He wrote, Ant Moshe Safra. Moshe is the Ramah. Moshe Isulis. Aye Chachmasecha. Aye Sachlosanusecha. Where is your wisdom? Where is your, where is your, uh, where is all your knowledge? He says, not only uh, does what you say uh, is self-contradictory, first you say Tinra is like a rock, then you say Tinra is softer, you're also contradicting the Gaonim, that uh, you're contradicting the Gaonim, and, the, and your words contradict each other. Not, not only are you contradicting what the Gaonim said about Tinra, your, your words are self-contradictory, you can't make up your mind whether Tinra is hard, Tinra is soft. So then the, the Ramah fights back, first he says, all right, even if you think I contradict myself, I says a Shlomo HaMelech. It says they wanted to they they, they wanted to uh, they wanted to be gones. They wanted to uh, to to hide Sefer Kohelas to get rid of Sefer Kohelas because because there were contradictions. Until it says they studied it carefully and they realized that the internal contradictions of the book is life worthless, is life precious, and so on. Is a live dog better than a dead lion? Is a live is a live is a live dog worse than a dead lion? And so on. Until they found answers to these questions. So they said, because they took Kohala seriously, they, they didn't just stop after they found contradictions. I tell you as well, he says, if you wouldn't treat me so dismissively, if you would have, uh, if you would have given what I said a fair hearing, he said, you would understand that what I'm saying is not quite as preposterous as you think. 
Then they began to argue about whether, the, again, argue about this Tinra. The Ramah wrote back, quoting the Marshal, quoting him, uh, that the Tinra is kasha ke'even, she'en balachluchis. The Marshal said that the Tinra is not like that, and the Ramah said, yes, it is. The Ramah said the Tinra is, he quoted the Marival, Tinra is kashim ke'even. So they began to argue back and forth whether the Tinra, this uh, deformation of an, of an animal, the term used by Chazal, is something that is kasha ke'even or not. Is it hard? Is it not so hard? And then... Then the Ramah took the fateful step. In hindsight, he probably didn't think it was a big deal at the time. But then, in the course of his lengthy discussion, which we're not going to get into, in the course of the lengthy discussion about what exactly a tinra is, the Ramah wrote, let me quote you Aristotle, he says. Aristotle, he starts quoting about vapors in the earth, ha'edim betoch ha'aret, tim minim, there are two kinds of vapors. He quoted a section from Aristotle's physics, from Aristotle's science, to try to explain what a tinra is and how it's formed and so on. And he went on, and, and the, the Ramah tried to prove from Chazal, as well as from Aristotle, what a tinra actually is. That was, the, that was the first tshuva in the list here. Again, we're not going through most of it. The Ramah had said that a tinra is hard. Marshal had given him a hard time, difficult time about it. The tinra is not hard. The Ramah said that, the, the Ramah said that well, Aristotle said, look at what Aristotle said about, it, said about uh, some, some comments about physics or anatomy. And uh, that's what the Ramah said. Marshal wrote back to him. Marshal was uh, very, very upset. He writes, he, writes to the, he writes to the Ramah, after beginning with a paragraph poetically praising him, the Marshal writes, I got your letter. I saw sharp and painful things here. Your words cut me like a knife. You surrounded me with all types of, uh, of sophistry, all types of chachma, ruban chitzonos, most of them are not from the Torah, chachmas chitzonos, secular wisdom, bekelem shonim, vaprimis agunos, and the Torah is, uh, the, the true chachma, the true chachma of Torah is being abandoned, you're turning to, to Aristotle, vatorah chagera sakim akonenes, and the Torah is girding herself in sackcloth and wailing, you, you have spurned and shamed the Torah by quoting Aristotle, like Ada and Sila, there were women whose husbands uh, had married other women, more attractive women, one of them, and had abandoned the other to be just a, a baby-making machine. And you, the Ramah, he says, you turn to the wisdom of the uncircumcised Aristotle, you're constantly running after what he has to say. I say he says that you're uh, when, when I read your letter, he says, I saw that you were so angry at me, he says, and because you were Mitocha Kas, you uh, you crossed the line, you 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 engage in unfair argument against me, he says. Amarti Belibi, the Marshal says, I said to myself, All right, I'm gonna let it go. Uh, alright, he said what he said, I'm just going to let him have the last word, I'm going to make peace, I'm not going to fight back. This type of argument where we keep saying sharp things to each other, it's never going to end, it's, uh, it's a cycle, of, uh, cycle of, of strong language, he said, it's never going to end unless one of us just takes the high road and uh, stops arguing, he says. However, I would have done that, he says. I would have just let you have the last word. However, you said something that I just could not tolerate. He said, you said, He feels the Ramah spoke very disrespectfully to him. He said, I don't know how a holy mouth could have said such a thing. Ramah wrote so, uh, so sharply against him, he says. 
He says, I would have been quiet, but now that you wrote this, I just can't let this stand. I have to, uh, I have to write something back. I have to defend myself. And that's why I'm writing this whole tshuva to... Uh, that's why I'm writing this whole tshuva to, to, to defend myself. So he wrote a long tshuva, again, mostly going through... What, the, the whole beginning of it goes through the tinra again, this very technical discussion, what exactly a tinra is. And then he gets to the issue of philosophy, of quoting Aristotle. Achrakach, he writes, paragraph beginning, Achrakach, After we discussed the Tinra from halachic sources, you showed me the wisdom of the uncircumcised Aristotle about vapors under the ground. Amarti, shamu. Woe is me that my eyes have seen this now, in addition to my ears having heard this, that uh, you're quoting to me from Divrei Hatame, you're quoting to me. Uh, Mahmad Babosem, wonderful things from the Tame, and uh, and and, and the, the, the words of the Tame of Aristotle are in the mouths of the Chachme Yisrael, like you, Cain Bosim Latorach Dosha. You're adorning the Torah with perfumes taken from the uncircumcised Aristotle. Rachmanel Itzlan May Avon Hagadol, May May God save us from this great sin. I'm not even going to be able to tell you everything that uh, I can't even express how upset I am about this. He says. Fariisi, Divri Rav Haigon, Divri Rav Haib, Divri Arash, Pachuva, Divri Rivash. He quotes various famous chuvas, some, some of which we've discussed in the past, about, uh, about uh, various Gaonim and Rishonim who were quite critical of the study of philosophy. They were Svardim, who were, who were generally more open to, to philosophy, to science. They themselves were very cautious, these Gedolim, of the. They themselves were very uh, cautious about the study of philosophy. Havoda says the Marshal, I swear, believe me, I also know philosophy. I also study the wisdom of the, of the Goyim, he says. But I keep away from it. I, I know enough to know that the stuff is dangerous, the stuff is poisonous. I stay away from secular wisdom, he says. Even attractive and worthwhile things of the Goyim. Stay away from the, the doors of their of their of their of their buildings of their temples. There is no heresy and destructive power as in their wisdom. A whole a whole long megillah would not be enough for me to express uh, fully express my my position here. He says. If I meet you and I talk to you face to face, I could f- fully express my, how aghast I am at, at this uh, commingling of Kodesh and Chol, of quoting Aristotle in the Beis Medrash. Furthermore, he says, I've seen in the Tfilos and in the Sidurim of the young men, Russian men, Tfilos Aristo, they have prayers of Aristotle, whatever that means. They've incorporated him into their Siddur, into their Davening. It's your fault, he tells the Ramah. You're a leader. You, you're, you, you have influence. He says, you, you, you should be uh, extirpating this. You shouldn't be letting this go on. It's your fault because you are too, uh, you are too tolerant of philosophy. You, you're, too, you, you're too admiring of philosophy. That you don't go that far, but when people see that you, the Ramah, that, you, uh, that, that you're fond of philosophy, they take it much further and they do these terrible things. They say, look, the Ramah, the great Ramah, he quotes Aristotle in his tshuva, so we can study Aristotle also. You want to study Aristotle, study it in the bathroom. When you can't learn Torah, that's where you can study Aristotle. You really want to study philosophy? Keep it in the bathroom. Don't bring it into tshuva in halacha.
There's an interesting tshuva in Rav Yaakov Emden. Someone asked Rav Yaakov Emden, are you allowed to study Hebrew grammar in the bathroom? So Rav Yaakov Emden said that in principle the answer is yes. Hebrew grammar per se is not Torah. In principle you're allowed to study Hebrew grammar in the bathroom. However, he says, in practice we study, we study grammar through quoting psukim, through quoting biblical verses. So in practice it involves a study of Torah so you cannot study grammar in the bathroom. And then he writes, I personally, says, what do I do in the bathroom? He says, he echoes the marshal, I study philosophy in the bathroom. He says, I read Aristotle in the bathroom. Some people read uh, you know, Calvin and Hobbes in the bathroom. Some people read uh, Barron's, Financial Times. And some people, like Rebecca Hamden, read Aristotle in the bathroom. He says, uh, he says that even though he says the philosophers, like the Radak and Rashwala ben Tibbon, thought that Aristotle was Maisa Merkava, Maisa Beratius, Maisa Merkava, which would be Torah, Chas Shalom, he says, Aristotle is not Torah, and you can read Aristotle in the bathroom. My, my Rav, Rabbi Israel Reisman, I, I, I believe he's quoting Rav Tam, I'm not exactly sure, but he, I'm not sure I recall, but he says that the people discuss how the, how the Go knew all his great Chachma, even in, in other disciplines outside Torah. Some people say, well, he probably studied it in the bathroom. So I believe he's quoting Rav Tam as having said, he doesn't believe the Gros spent that much time in the bathroom. So how did he learn it? He learned it through the Torah, maybe, or the, whatever it is. But the, I'll call upon him, the Rebecca of Amzin says that he used to read Aristotle in the bathroom. And that's what the Marshal told the Ramah. If you really want to read Aristotle, read him in the bathroom. Don't bring him into the base Medrash. Don't, don't discuss him while you're discussing Torah. The Marshal goes on, and he says, and if you really want to study something, he says, and, and, and if you really have spare time on your hands to study things that are not Torah, what you should be studying is grammar, he says. Because your, your, because your letter is full of grammatical errors. He says, I, I beg your pardon a thousand times. He says, Yoser Mar, sir, you, Rama, you would, you would be better served by studying grammar, because your writings are choma prutsa, they're full of errors. Larov, benochach, benister, you shift between uh, second person and third person. Mikeva v'zachar, you shift genders. Yachid v'rabim, singular and plural. Your, 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 your letter is full of grammatical errors. And he gives examples of what he thinks of, uh, are some of the errors of the Ramah. Spelling errors, errors in, uh, he, spelled things, he spelled names differently from the way they're spelled in, in Tanakh. All kinds of, uh, full of all kinds of, all kinds of errors, he says. And, uh, all right. So that's what he, uh, that's what he says. And uh, he, he mentions interesting halacha. He says that the post can say that we have, when we have questions and how to spell names in Gitin, we can refer to letters, even, uh, even informal letters, even, even let, just personal letters, not just Torah letters, of Gedolei HaChachamim, because they're supposed to be midactic, even in their personal correspondence, to spell things correctly. So if you see Moshe Feinstein spelled a name like this in his personal letter, the Kadmonim said, you can prove, that, you, you can prove from that that in the get, that's how you should spell it. I don't think we go with that Lemaisa. You know, we, we, Svarim and Rabbanim often are not so medactic in their personal correspondence, but the, the research and idea and the Kadmonim, therefore the Marshal lectures the Ramah, you shouldn't be so careless and so uh, imprecise in your grammar, your, your, your letter is full of grammatical errors and spelling errors and so on. Again, the, the, this argument that had begun about a halachic issue had devolved at this point. Not only are they discussing with well, the Latin philosophy, the Marshal is sniping at the Ramah, for not paying more attention to the grammar and the literary style, the literary uh, precision of his writing. Okay, and then, the, then they go back to discussing the Tinra and so on, and we're going to skip uh, the rest of the Tshuva. And now we'll get to the Tshuva of the Ramah, 
This is, I think, the most interesting of the, of the tshuvas. Now we will get to the tshuva of the Rama. This is uh, number three in the handout. He, he writes back to the marshal after a paragraph of Melitza. Again, how wonderful the marshal is. Ahuvi, my great friend, Hagon, Marashairi, my relative, Shlomo. He writes as follows. He says, I got your letter. And he says, I got your last letter. Uvarosi, and when I saw what you wrote, Kamti, Marid, Barosi, Kamagila, Kula, your entire letter I saw was, was an attack on me, he says. Tochaches Magula, the Ava Mesuteras. The, the criticism, the, 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 the sharpness is front and center. The love is, 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 is shielded, is behind, he says. The letter is full of uh, frontal attacks on me, he says. The Efsher, he says, I take comfort. Maybe, he says, Esasher Yav Adoni Yochiach. The Pasuk the Gemara brings, Esasher Yav Hashem Yochiach, that sometimes we say, like Nadav and Aviyu, Hashem is mendaktek with tzaddikim kachot hasara. He punishes them more severely than he would punish ordinary people. Maybe the Menorah says, I'll take comfort in the fact the reason you're being so harsh on me is because you like me. And that's why I'm, you think I'm worthy of your corrections and criticisms. Other than that, he says, I would feel quite, uh, quite uh, offended by all this, he says. V'neim Ashib, if I really would answer everything that you said against me, he says, again, Yarchu Advarim, I, I, it would, our correspondence would get really long. It was very long as it is, but it would get even longer. And as we go on and on, we may sin. I guess we may use intemperate language, and I may say something that's not right. L'chein, he says, Eshmer Machsam Lafi, I will suppress some of what I have to say. These are all rabbinic puns from Gemaras, from Sukkim. I'll say, you're right, okay, I'll concede victory to you. I don't have to win, he says. I, the, the fighting like this is dangerous. It can lead to uh, improper conduct, he says. So I don't, uh, you know, I don't really have to keep arguing. I don't have to have the last word. Even matters of halacha, he says. I, I don't really want to bring it up again, the, any of these points. I don't want to challenge you on anything. I don't want to arouse your fury again and get you, get you even more angry at me, he says. Kiani Roa, I see how upset you are. Kiani Roa, Shoraisa Marachabamala. So I see the Torah is making you upset. The, the Gemara says, if you see a Talmud Chacham who's angry, you should understand a Raisa Marachabe. The Torah is, is sometimes can cause anger and uh, high spirits. Ach, he says, Hayabalibi, Keish Boeris, Nalesi Chalkal. So really, he says, uh, he, he kind of parallels Marshal. Marshal also said, I really don't want, I really wouldn't have responded at all, but you said this and I had to respond. The Ramar writes, similarly, he says, I really felt discretion was the better part of valor. I really thought that the, that the wisest course of action would be to simply let this go, let you have the last word. However, he says, I'm human, I, could, I can't, he says. It was just, it was, I was just burning up inside. I just couldn't tolerate this, so these attacks, he says, I can't restrain myself. So at the very least, I'll try to stick to the to the halacha, to the Torah, to the matters of substance, and not to engage in, in the personal criticisms and sniping. But at least, really, I shouldn't do even that, because it's just going to lead to more fighting, he says. But I have to say something. I can't just let, I, I couldn't just stand by and say nothing. I'm human. And therefore, he says, at least the halachic points of your, of your argument I'm going to respond to. And uh, that's what his Jew is going to be about. So, first part of the tshuva, even before getting into the tinra, he's going to deal with the marshal's attacks on his study of philosophy. he said, He says, 
you were angry at me, you made a great, you made a, a great uh, fuss over the fact that in my, in my original letter, I quoted the, the wisdom of the Greeks and the head of the philosophers. The head of the philosophers, of course, is Aristotle, sometimes called just the philosopher, the definite article, the greatest philosopher of the ancient world, by some measures, obviously. So he says, you were very upset at me for quoting Aristotle. You thought he didn't belong in, the, in a Torah discussion. He didn't belong anywhere, but certainly not in a Torah discussion. Valzek Kasev Adoni, you wrote, a Torah sack. the Torah girds itself in sackcloth. Says the Ramah, he says, what do you want? This is an old machlokas, he says. Yes, there are the, your position has precedent in the Jewish tradition, but so does mine, he says. This is an old machlokas. Omer Shazu machlokas Yishana ben Achachamim. This is an ancient argument between Chachme Yisrael. I don't have to take sides, he says. This is, this is not my unique position. The argument about whether it's appropriate for Jews to study the wisdom of the Greeks, the wisdom of the non-Jews, secular culture, secular science and wisdom, he says. It's an old machlokas. And, and it, it's already been, uh, people have already expressed the position better than, better than I will, he says. Kikfar haramasa, munachet bekeren zavisa, the Rashba, the, the Ramah here is referring to a, an epic uh, controversy that erupted in the time of the Rashba, the early, this is the early 14th century, 1306 or so. This was already a generations after the Rambam, but sporad- periodically in the medieval period, they had these great battles over the study of philosophy. The, the Rambam, his followers, were enthusiastic about this, about studying Greek wisdom, reading the Arabic uh, Philosophers of their time, the more traditional Chachamim, like the Rush and the Rashba, were very opposed to it. In the time of the Rashba, there was a, one of the sharpest rounds of this controversy erupted. The Rashba was reluctant to get involved. He was eventually persuaded to. He ended up signing a, a cherem against the study of philosophy in Barcelona until, 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 the, until one reaches 25 years old. But he says, it's an old machlokas. When the Rashba, yes, the Rashba did sign a fiery denunciation of the study of Greek wisdom and philosophy, he says, but the Rashba was not the only position there. He says, go read, go look at the Jewish Rashba, where the Rashba printed his cherem and the, the letters he wrote, but look at Provence, back then, today a region in France, back then it was a celebrated region of Jewish learning and culture. The Chachme Provence, there were all kinds, and there were some who were at, who were ardent uh, devotees, devotees of philosophy, and they wrote back, when, when the Rashba condemned the study of philosophy, they wrote back a 20-page letter, it's printed in the Chuvas Rashba, they wrote back a very long letter, uh, arguing for the value of philosophy, and the nobility of its study, and how it's compatible with Torah, they wrote back this beautiful, eloquent, very long letter, the Rashba did not respond to it, or if he did, it's not printed in any of the, the Chuvas, but the, the, in the Chuvas Rashba, they printed a 20-page letter, the, the response of the Chachme Provence, to the Rashba, he says, so, yes, it's true that the Rashba was against philosophy. He took a position similar to yours, but others disagreed. The Chachme Provence, the sages of Provence, believed that philosophy was studied properly, was wholesome, and was, uh, was compatible with Torah. So if I, if I choose to follow the Chachme Provence, why is that a big deal? Vafa Rashba, he says, even the Rashba, he says, who was the great opponent of philosophy, the Rashba and the Rush were the two great opponents of philosophy back then, even the Rashba, when he did sign a cherem, he only forbade it when a man was young. He's young and impressionable. Before he learns Talmud, Gemara, 
that the Rambam says a person shouldn't study uh, theology and advanced wisdom until he first fills his stomach with meat and wine, which is a metaphor for the Talmud and the basic, basic Gemara. Milon Godlmei Rambam. Who, who do we have in Jewish history greater than the Rambam? Shasa Sefer Amorit. He wrote the Maranavuchim, the guide for the perplexed. Shakulo Amin. The whole Maranavuchim is philosophy, he says. He, to, you're condemning philosophy? Go condemn the Rambam. The Rambam wrote, wrote an entire work on philosophy, on Greek philosophy, he says. Va'af, he says, it's true, you quoted the Tshuva of the Rivash, a very famous Tshuva of the Rivash. The Rivash says that uh, philosophy, studying philosophy is dangerous and, and, and hazardous and terrible. And even the Rambam, who wrote the Maranavuchim, he says, Rivash wrote that, he, that the Rambam wrote the Maranavuchim, a famous claim of the Ramban and the Rivash. He wrote the Maranavuchim as a kind of Kiruv tool to. to, uh, to to accommodate those who were already leaving the fold, who already were seduced by philosophy, he wrote the Maranavuchim to show them that philosophy is compatible with the Torah, but ideally, the Rivash says, one should not study philosophy, even according to the Rambam. So he says that, Even if it's true, even if it's true that the philosophy was only a bedievet back then, it was only something to be studied you know, when necessary to, uh, to combat those who had fallen under its sway, Says, says the Ramon, nevertheless, I have two reasons why the opposition of someone like the Rivash to philosophy does not apply to me, he says. I think both my deflections are correct. I think both my justifications are correct. First of all, he says, They were criticizing those who study the Greek philosophers in the original. Metaphysics of Aristotle. They, would, they didn't want people to study Aristotle's works in the original. They, they thought that if, when you start studying this, you'll study that, you'll, you'll study the wrong works, the heretical works, and so on. Yes, they were concerned that even if metaphysics is a good work, it can lead to other, other beliefs of their philosophy. It was a dangerous road, a slippery slope. However, he says, the, the good works, the works of science and of, uh, of, of physics, the, the, the wholesome and uncontroversial disciplines, they never forbade that. Learning science, learning, uh, learning, learning the wisdom of the, of the creation, you get a better appreciation of God. That's what Chazal meant by a... Uh, Philosophical or Kabbalistic work called Shir Koma. They said anyone who knows Shir Koma is it's a great, great thing. Mukubalam say that Shir Koma does not refer to philosophy, it refers to Kabbalah. He says it's the, that they're both right. Both philosophy and Kabbalah are, uh, are, are both different ways of appreciating the study, uh, the, the, the greatness and the wisdom of God. This is a signature attitude of the Ramah. The Ramah, the Ramah had some very, uh, very uh, ambitious or very uh, optimistic views about how we can synthesize Kabbalah, mystic wisdom, and uh, Jewish wisdom with, with secular wisdom, with science and philosophy. He believed that they were both different perspectives on the same thing. He himself in his works, some of his non-halachic works, he incorporates both Kabbalah and philosophy as I understand it. And he very much believed that, they were different, that there were different ways of looking at the truth. They both contained truth, and that science and philosophy contain truth, and Kabbalah contains truth as well, and they're not mutually exclusive. Others, were most of the, in our tradition, were much more partisan. They either felt that 
Kabbalah was nonsense, or they felt that philosophy was heresy and pernicious. Very few Chachamim and Aaron Sarah, relatively few felt that they were both true, that they both had value. The Ramah was one of that small, small uh, group in the middle who believed that both philosophy and Kabbalah both contained great wisdom that could be used to understand God and his creation. Even though this wisdom of philosophy, he says, is produced by the non-Jews, Umas HaOlam, Gemara Megillah says, Anyone who says something, um, uh, anyone who produces wisdom, even if he's a non-Jew, is called a Chacham. We respect the fact. We respect the fact that the, that, that, that the non-Jews have Chachma, which we can learn from. I'm not the first one to quote Aristotle. He says a lot of Chacham quoted the scientists, quoted the, the opinions of non-Jewish thinkers. This is obvious to anyone who studied Mar Nevuchim, Balakeda, the Sefer Kedas Yitzchak, Ushar Machar, many authors were perfectly willing to quote Aristotle and to quote the Chachamim of the non-Jews. Kolshkin, he says, certainly if you're not going to get involved in the proofs and the, the really advanced aspects of their, of their wisdom, Kamoni, he says, you're just quoting what they say, that's his first argument. Learning science, learning wisdom is wholesome and harmless. It, learning certain types of philosophy and heresy might be problems, he says, but simply studying the wisdom of the non-Jews, he says, the, the, the wisdom which is un, unexceptional, unexceptionable and, and compatible with the Torah, nobody ever prohibited that. They prohibited studying books and doctrines which are, which are adjacent to heresy and contain heresy. That's what they prohibited. But nobody ever prohibited studying works of science. I, I quoted to you a book about, a t- about the, the Tinra, about Aristotle and his vapors. That's science. There's nothing, that, that's harmless. Nothing wrong with that. Second, he says, my second defense, Vashenis, even if you'll tell me, they prohibited all Svarim of the non-Jews, stay away from all non-Jewish books because you never know when you'll find something problematic. However, he says, even if, even if we adopt such an overly stringent view, he says, Jewish books, books of the Chachme Torah, that we learn from, we learn Torah, to learn Svarim of the Rambam, Nobody ever prohibited reading the Rambam. In the Rambam's time, they did. In the Rambam's time, there were those who condemned and had the Marnavuchim burned. But, the, but in general, certainly in more recent eras, he says, nobody ever prohibited the Rambam. There's no possibility the Rambam contains anything problematic in it, he says, etc., etc. And uh, even though, yes, that he brings what I said before, mixes Chacham there were some Chachamim, some of the French Chachamim, who uh, disagreed with his theology and burned his books, or they had the Dominicans burn his books. Mikolokom, that argument has been resolved, that's been settled, he says. That Machlokas has been resolved in favor of the Rambam, the Rambam's Farim, even his Marnevuchim, have spread throughout uh, among all Chachamim. Kulam so what did I study? I didn't study Aristotle originally. So I studied Mar Nevuchim. He says, Even though I do quote Aristotle sometimes, he says, I swear to you, he tells the Marshal, This is a, this is a delicious passage. He says, I never studied Aristotle in the original. I studied Mar Nevuchim, Rishar Sifrei Jewish books on science and philosophy, he says, 
That's where I got my son, my, my, my wisdom, he says, and that, what I know about this, he says. I, actually, the quote I wanted is going to come in a few lines later. He says, why should I not? The Rambam says that Aristotle was such a tremendous chacham. Everything he said in the sublunar world is hakol emes. Most of what he says is consistent with Chazal, except for certain philosophical beliefs he had about, uh, about the nature of God. In certain cases, he, devi- he, he deviates from, from Chazal, from, 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 from what we consider true. But, uh, and he, said, he, he says, you, you talk about these, these Bachurim who are davening with Tfilas Aristo. I certainly would never tolerate such a thing. I never heard of such a thing. He says, I would never tolerate that. He says, uh, yeah, there are some people left over, he says, Yerushim Avoseim, who, who came from a culture, who, who, who believed in such things. We still have some residual uh, belief in these things, he says. I've never seen it. Had you not told me this, I wouldn't believe such a thing. That there's any remnant of these uh, these people who have who are head over heels or had gone too far in their philosophy, he says, and uh, and he says. Furthermore, he says, you marshal, you then you told me that you also know philosophy, but you stay away from it. He says, Kriyadati, I know, I concede. He says that I don't know anything that you don't know. You know everything I know. He says. However, I tell you with all due respect, he says, if I would avoid a certain discipline, he says. In Evrach, if I would run away from something, Evrach Kabbalah. I would stay farther away from Kabbalah than I would from philosophy, to try at least to try to understand studying Kabbalah myself without a Masora. Masha Evrach Lasip Philosophia. He says, Yosiyesh Lachash, Kabbalah is more dangerous. Shlayita, Kimavur, Mashkasav Ramban. It's even more dangerous to study to study Kabbalah on your own. If you want you want to warn people about not studying philosophy, tell people not to study Kabbalah, he says. He says, You quoted the Rivash who said that learning philosophy is dangerous and something to be avoided. Go study the Rivash, he says. The Rivash was sharply critical of studying Kabbalah as well. The, the Rivash has a, uh, has a, has a tshuva where he's very concerned about the doctrine of the spheres, the divine emanations that uh, the, the, the Kabbalists speak of, multiple aspects of God, the, the emanations of God, aspects of God, which is uh, deeply troubling from a theological perspective. It implies multiplicity and, and a, a lack of oneness of God. The, the, the Rivash quotes a, a philosopher at, at, with, with a kind of uh, epic put down for the ages, he says that uh, he says a philosopher once said that the, that the Christians have three gods and the Kabbalists have ten. Rivash doesn't wholly agree with that, but he quotes this uh, as a serious critique of Kabbalah. That Kabbalah says some very dangerous, uh, theologically very problematic things. Says 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 the Ramah, you want to warn people about the dangers of studying philosophy. It can lead you astray. Kabbalah can lead you astray as well. The same Rivash who thought uh, philosophy should be avoided thought Kabbalah should be avoided as well. He says so. And I say again, he returns to his sheet of synthesis. Al shteim kishneim kachatovim. Philosophy and Kabbalah are good together. Tzadikim yelchubam, etc. However, and this is the line I meant before that this is the delicious, most delicious line of the tshuva. He says, "Mikalmakom." I, I'll tell you, he says, after all this, even though I've justified my study of philosophy and so on, after all this, I will add, he says, I swear to God, God is my witness, he says. I don't spend my time on this. He says, I, 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 learned, I sit and learn Gemara and Shulchan Aruch all week, he says. Rock, the only time I study philosophy, the only time I study Mar Nevuchim, he says, B'Shabbos V'Yantif, on Shabbos and Yantov, Chalamoid, People are, go out for walks, they go on Chalamoid trips, they go out for recreation. 
That's when I pull out my Mar Nevuchim and I study Aristotle and the Rambam and Mar Nevuchim. All week long I sit and learn All week long I have my nose in my Gemara and my Shulchan Aruch. On Shabbos where other people have a little uh, downtime they, they have a little vacation and, and, and they have fun. My fun, I pull out the Mar Nevuchim and I study Mar Nevuchim, he says. But the Shari Litzurf Merabban Laduin Nafshe So that's what the Ramah says. Philosophy, first of all, was an ancient machlokas. There were those who were opposed to it. There were also those who defended it. Even those who were opposed to it were opposed to the philosophy that bears on theology, that, 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 that's related to heresy, he says. Nobody's talking about innocent, uh, innocent uh, neutral study like science and, uh, and, and science and anatomy and stuff like that. And even if you do oppose that, certainly you don't oppose studying philosophy via the Rambam and via the great Sfarim. And after all that, I don't even do that uh, during, during the week. During the week I sit and learn, he says, on Shabbos, where, where other people are having fun, I go out and I study a little Marnevuchim, and that's where I know about my... Uh, the, the, the Ramad died at 42. You want to know how he got to be the Ramad? It's because, apparently, because when other people were taking breaks and going on Cholomoy trips, he was busy. He was, his idea of uh, relaxation was studying Marnevuchim. All right. Then he responds to the, the, the Marshall, and even though he said he's going to try to take the high road and stick to the issues of substance, I guess he felt this was an issue of substance as well, then he, then he counterattacks the Marshall's criticism of his grammar, he says. You wrote to me, he says, that I shagagti milos bediktuk, I erred in grammatical points, he says. He says, okay, guilty as charged, he says, and I'm willing to concede. He says, I'm not, uh, I'm not a great stylist, he says, kvad peu, kvad I'm not, I'm, I'm not so proficient in language, he says. He says, I, well, I care about the content. And I care about the underlying, uh, the underlying message I'm trying to convey. I'm not, I'm not a stylist, he says. I'm willing to concede. I, I don't fully understand all the grammar that you're mentioning, he says. However, he says, you know, you're picking on me. These are, these are cheap shots, so to speak. And he says, He says, be fair, he says. Everyone knows, any God will be Israel when, when he's thinking about uh, some more important things. So the exact details of his written expression uh, can be a little bit imprecise. Certainly, with a vav, without a vav, plain and deficient spellings. He says, come on, I'm writing you a tshuva on halacha and you're carping about my, my, about my grammatical errors, he says. I wrote the word Meshulam. I wrote Meshulam with a Vav as Malay. It's not a Sefer Torah that, that it's possible if you spell things with, uh, spell it wrong with a Vav, without a Vav. He says, and even though, and, you, and, but, and then he goes, even though, he, so he starts by saying, you're right, guilty as charged. My grammar is not perfect. I have other things to worry about and I'm not a great stylist. But then he goes on, though, and he actually defends himself on a bunch of the charges that the Marshal leveled against him. He says, you, you said I mixed, I, I combined second person and third person, he says. That actually was deliberate, he says. That's how we find that in brachos. We say, Baruch atah Hashem. And then we, the, the, the Mepharshim point out, a bracha begins in the second person, but then we say things like, Hamotzi lechem in Aretz. That's third person. Ose masya bereshis. That uh, we, we often use language that, 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 that switches to the, to the third person at the end of the bracha. That's a form of respectful, res, respectful address that you, that, you, that you don't use the second person all the time. He says, but I, I agree. He says, I'm going to concede, even though I can defend some things. I'm any misbar mashainbi. I concede. I'm not a great grammarian. He says, I, I never studied grammar. He says again. Rebbe Hamden says you can study grammar in the bathroom if you don't uh, read sukkim. 
and he studies philosophy in the bathroom. I don't know what the Ramah studied in the bathroom, he says, but he admits he hasn't learned dicta. However, he says, the, many of the things he says, he says that, that you accuse me of actually were deliberate. He says, for example, I wrote the word Adonim. And when he referred to the Marshal as my master, he, he refers to him as Adoni with a vav. Adoni is spelled without a vav in the Torah. He says, I wrote a vav, to, so, it, so it shouldn't be Kodesh. I wrote a vav to distinguish that you should know when I'm referring to a human and when I was referring to God. He quotes other examples that people make mistakes. And he keeps going, he keeps going back and forth between saying, I was justified, uh, you know, it's, it, 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 it's a cheap shot and it's not a big deal. And between saying I actually had reasons for a lot of these things, he says, and he says, he, then he says, I don't have a sofer maher. I don't have an amanuensis, a scribe, to copy down everything I write. I do all the writing myself. He goes on to say the marshal had apparently a scribe who would, who would, who would handle his correspondence for him. I don't have that, the Ramah says. I'm doing all the writing myself. And uh, to make a second copy, he says, I, I, I only have one draft. Whatever, whatever comes into my mind, I write down directly. I don't have the, I don't have, I can't, I don't have the time to write two drafts, to rewrite the whole thing, he says. They didn't have... Uh, word processors and uh, spell checks that with the little red squiggly lines that highlight everything you went, you went wrong. They had to write it out by hand. It wasn't easy to erase and to redo, and to write a whole other draft was a lot of work. We have to, you know, I constantly marvel that God put us in this age. We have so many tools that uh, would have been mind-boggling to the ancients, but uh, not even the ancients, a few hundred years ago, even a hundred years ago. But uh, he says, uh, what do you want me to do? I'm, I'm, I'm writing it out. I don't have a scribe. I'm writing one draft. I can't, uh, it's not perfect. All right. He says, so uh, give me, cut me some slack. He says, give me a break. He says, and then he has a kind of pointed counterattack. A final thing he says, I give you the benefit of the doubt. When I, when I find things that are wrong in your letter, he says, I don't just say, oh, look, Marshall is making lots of mistakes. I say, that I trust you, he says. When I find a mistake, I say, it was your scribe. You have a scribe. I say, oh, probably he made a mistake. The scribe made a mistake, not the marshal. And it's, uh... Then he says, and your letter itself that I'm referring to, the scribe made lots of mistakes, and he, a few mistakes, and he starts quoting other... He starts, uh... He starts quoting other mistakes. He quotes a mistake or two that he thinks the marshal scribe made. Now he goes back and starts discussing the Tinra, which, again, we're not going to get into the actual technical parts of the Tinra, and so on, and so on. And the letter goes on, and eventually, this, I believe, was the last letter in their correspondence, at least the last one that we have. I'll call upon him. This was uh, a, a remarkable and fascinating uh, excerpt of the correspondence of the Marshal and the, and the Ramah, even in, their, even in all their uh, emotionally wrought, emotionally fraught writing. It's clear they had a great deal of respect for each other. They, the, the Ramah in particular writes about the Marshal with a tremendous amount of covert. He feels some of his attacks are not fair, and he feels that he's... Uh, that Marshall is, uh, is not right in what he said and is, is gone to, is gone, has, has crossed the line and gone too far, but he still has tremendous respect for the Marshall. The Machlokas, again, began on technical halachic aspects, then went from there to a discussion of what a tinra is. The, 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 the Marshall had used the word tinra, which the, in, in, a, in a sense of meaning something that was, which the Ramad understood it to, to be something hard. Marshall disagreed. They, they had a long discussion of what a tinra meant. From that, the Machlokas devolved into a discussion of whether you're allowed to quote Aristotle, whether quoting Aristotle is appropriate. The Ramah had a whole bunch of defenses of his study of, of his study of philosophy, at least via the Rambam, on Shabbos and Chalamoid, where people are taking Chalamoid trips and, and pleasure walks, and it's not, it's not heresy, I'm not studying, and philosophy is good, and it's complementary to Kabbalah. Marshall had a very different view, and Marshall had the much more hardline anti-philosophy perspective, 
And then they, they briefly discuss grammar, how important is it to write to, for a Gadol B'Torah's correspondence to be grammatically correct and to be polished and elegant, and so on. The Ramad downplayed it and said it's not so important and it's uh, not a big deal. And anyway, a lot, of my, a lot of what you think are mistakes were deliberate. But this was the... This was a kind of uh, just uh, an insight. Again, we, you can read Gadol biographies. You can read about. Uh, you try to understand what Gadol Torah were, what they thought, what they cared about, uh, how they wrote, how they talked. This is a fascinating window into the lives of these two Polish Gadolim, these legendary figures of uh, these larger-than-life figures of 400 years ago. This is a. This is a. Uh, to, to me, at least, a fascinating insight of what their correspondence, of what a little bit of their. Uh, little bit of their personalities, how they appeared when they were in, in, their, in their relationships with each other. Thank you so much for listening, and have a very good night. What's the takeaway for our contemporary struggle with Torah and Mada? I know this is not what, uh, you, what, what interested you in this particular exchange, but I'm curious, uh, aside from what uh, those two giants talked about 500 years ago, what's the takeaway for us? So actually, it is it is to, it is to a very large extent what interests me in this machlokas, and I think it it's uh, it is a topic that remains a remains a crucial issue in our day as well. The, this is a machlokas that's been going on for at least a thousand years, and more than a thousand years in the time of the Gaonim. There are some versions about it in the Gemara, but at least in the modern form, in the re, in the recognizably modern form, this has been going on since the time of the Gaonim, where we find conflicting views. The Rambam is the most famous uh, figure around which this dispute revolves, but then the, the Rashba and the other Rishonim in his time that the Rambam mentions Rambam in his time. And even though, as the Rambam points out, there are differences, there are, there, there are variations, but fundamentally the, the issue is the same issue that we're faced with today, which is that of isolationism and rejectionism, or accommodation, or the belief that the, the belief that the Chachma Bagayim Taman, that there's great wisdom that we can find in, in, uh, among the non-Jews. Obviously, in our generation as well, we have, we, we have giants like Rav Soloveitchik, or even, even more, we have Rav Aaron Lichtenstein, someone like Rav Aaron Lichtenstein, who believed and who wrote essays and books defending the, the idea that we can study, that we, can, that, we, that we have a great deal to learn from non-Jewish sources, that they can enrich and they can... They can, they, they can provide great value for us as, uh, as, uh, as students of Torah, as, as, as children of God, as B'nai Yisrael, but we still have a tremendous amount of enrichment. Rabbi Lichtenstein in particular makes the interesting point. He, he says, there, there, there is one difference, he says, between what, 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 what some of the controversy today is about and what it was for much of Jewish history. In earlier, in earlier generations, it was mostly about philosophy and science. The Rambam and Aristotle and and so on in the Ramah. Today, Rav Aaron himself is, is not a scientist, he's a humanist, he's, he's, he's a student of literature and poetry. So Rav Aaron writes that, he says most of the earlier discussion was about science. He says, but what science? Like the Ramah wrote, why is science so important? Because you're studying the creations of God, you're studying God's handiwork. Says Rav Aaron Lichtenstein, what is God's greatest handiwork? A mountain? A frog? A person, he says. What, what is, what's the greatest thing that we see that God makes? The sun is maybe more powerful and larger and uh, a hotter temperature, but he says, man, what is... Uh, Hashem created people, he says. So 
What is literature, he says? What, what, what are the humanities, if not the study of God's greatest creation, the study of God's greatest handiwork? You can study God's handiwork of people by studying medicine and anatomy. You study his, uh, his machinery and his plumbing, but you also study his mind and his soul by studying literature. So that's an aspect of the discussion. We don't find in earlier generations much discussion of, of much positive discussion of reading non-Jewish literature. But broadly speaking, it's the same machlokas. The, the, those who are opposed say that the Torah should be sufficient, that secular wisdom is too dangerous, even if we concede it has some value, but the value is offset and is, uh, is, is outweighed by, the, by all the danger and the waste of time at best and the danger in much of that wisdom. On the other hand, people like Rav Salavechik, people like Rav, Rav Lichtenstein, people like Rav Hirsch maybe to some extent, did believe that, the, that, that modern culture, that Western culture, that non-Jewish culture had a great deal to offer to, uh, to Jews, and that by judiciously, of course, by appropriately selecting uh, those writers, you know, Matthew Arnold used to say, that he, he's not exactly a voguish figure today, but Matthew Arnold used to say that culture is the best that, has, that had been uh, thought and written or something like that, that idea of culture is the kind that Ravar Lichtenstein would have approved of, the kind that Rav would might have approved of, the idea that, yes, a lot, of, a lot of culture is not good, but a lot of culture is good. And to throw away all of culture because some of it is bad is, is, is not the way to go, necessarily. So the same machlokas in some form or another is still, in the time of the Rambam, it played out between the French Chachamim and the, and the Spanish and the, and the Svardi Chachamim. In the, in the time of the... Rashba, it was the Provencal Chachamim versus those in Spain. At the time of the Ramah, it was Machlokas between the Ramah and the Marshal. I don't know if they represented any uh, broader geographic uh, area. And in today's time, it's to a large extent between the modern Orthodox, Torumada, and between the followers of Rav Salavechik and people like Rav Lichtenstein, and between the, the Haredim, so to speak, the Haredim in Eretz Yisrael, the, the, the Yeshiva, the more Yeshivish in America. So it's to a large extent the same machlokas, and the Ramah, I think, does a very good job of kind of defending the more tolerant position. Of course, the Ramah says a person should first learn Torah, and a person should focus on Torah, a person shouldn't make, shouldn't make philosophy the Ikar and Torah the Tafel, but, but to complement Torah, the, the, the Ramah thought it was uh, a perfectly valid thing to do, and the, and the Marshal less so. So yeah, I think the machlokas does, does still echo down... <laughs>